when we were worshiping, um, I got a picture, and I feel like I'm supposed to share it with you. Sometimes listening to God is great when it's just you and him, and then sometimes it's a little more scary when you feel led to share it. So here's the picture I got. Um, for those of you that know my story, this will be repetitive, um, and if you don't know, then it's new, but um, my husband and I adopted twins from the Democratic Republic of the Congo this March. It'll be three years that they've been home. So when we brought them home, we had a five, our five-year-old son, Caleb, um, four-year-old daughter, Samaria, and then brought home twin girls. So it's great that Jeff feels so comfortable with women because he's got three daughters. And I emotionally count for at least three women alone by myself. Um, like when they talk about like, oh, she's a handful. Like I'm like two, so at least. Um, anyways, they were pretty small and attachment issues um, came up in a sense that when you carry a child in your tummy, they hear your heartbeat, they hear your voice, um, they're able to kind of ride the ups and downs of life with you, in you, with you. Um, and when that is broken, uh, there's a break. And so um, for, for me to establish that attachment and establish trust and build relationship with them, that I am mom, I am safe, and I love you, um, I packed them. So... There were like three moms back in this area that all had little ones in their, in their little pouches. Um, and I packed the girls for six to eight hours a day uh, for, for three months and then had a little break and then ended up doing it on and off for another two. So it was a pretty long time. Uh, anyways, there would be times where the emotions and the responses would be completely out of control. So they would just be like flailing and screaming and crying and whatever. And um, there was an attachment therapist who said to me, when they get like that, ask if they can hear your heartbeat. And when they say yes, ask them what it says. And the answer is, I love you. And I feel like God just wanted to say that to you. That was, it was beautiful watching people enter into the presence and worship. And I feel like that's what we got to do just now, was just listen to his heartbeat and hear that it says, I love you. And I'm sorry I'm kind of emotional today, but just, just roll with me. Um, in talking about caregiver and God as a caregiver, um, Jeff touched on it. And I feel like for us to be able to love others and be an extension of his love, we need to be able to receive it. So if there is anything you get out of today, my prayer is that he is pleased with you. You are not alone. And he loves you. One of my friends, um, her daughter said, how many of you heard, like, I love you to the moon and back, right? Well, my little sister said, I love you to Pluto and back, because Pluto is further than the moon. I was like, all right, smarty pants. I don't even know all the planets. I mean, I don't know. Um, but my friend's daughter, Kate, says, I love you to Jesus and back. 
And I just think that's so profound. Um, this idea and concept of God as our caregiver, as our father, as our caregiver, and us being able to experience his presence in caregiving is what we're going to be unpacking today. And um, I'm going to read a little bit from the book, um, What's Your God Language? As my, um, the author's name is Myra, and as she explains it, Caregivers see practical needs and move toward them. They are servants, doers of the word, hands-on types whose spiritual pace is quickened when they are helping in concrete ways. Caregivers feel closest to God when they are laboring for him and his kingdom. And I want to give you an opportunity to just take a minute and think, okay, who's somebody I know like that? One of the girls on my team, on the gathering team, wrote in describing somebody that she knows like that. And this is what she said. Joy in sacrificially, tangibly loving others. A way of seeing the world around you that ignites a fire. It calls for action. There is no way you could see the hurt and the need and walk away. You must respond. Show compassion. Say, I see you, and I care. I'm with you, and I'm not afraid of the yuck in your life. I hope and pray with everything in me that all of us have at least one person like that in our life that isn't afraid of the yuck and is, and is able to be in close enough relationship to you that they can see the practical needs and be an extension of God's love and meet them. A lot of times caregivers are more behind the scenes. Um, while we're out here um, doing this, caregivers are typically in the kitchen getting those things done. Um, caregivers aren't by nature people who love to be in front and be the center of attention and be wild and crazy. Um, you can be wild and crazy and be a caregiver. Um, it, it, it's possible. Um, it's typically servant leadership. Leading by doing like Jesus did. And I feel like if our, if our relationship with God and, and our hope and prayer is to be an extension of his love, then we look at his life and his ministry and, des and desire and attempt to emulate that. So if we look at Jesus' ministry, how often was he taking care of the poor? How often was he, t he meeting the practical needs of, I mean, 5,000 people with like two loaves and five fish? I don't know anybody else who can do that. And if you can, come see me after the service. <laughs> I love that right before he broke bread with his disciples, with his home team, he washed their feet. That's caregiving. It was a practical need. Their feet were very dirty. 
right? I mean, if we're in sandals and we're walking around in the dust, the practical need to have clean, it's practical. Um, and what I love about Jesus is that he, he did it not only for his friends, but even Judas, the one who would betray him. So he didn't just meet the needs of those that he liked. He didn't just meet the needs of those that were easy to love. Oh, I'm, I'm still just kind of, I'm just that picture of being so close to his heart that we get to be an extension of his love. When you think about other caregivers in the Bible, um, Mordecai, um, if you don't know the story of Esther, Esther was, um, Mordecai was Esther's uncle, and um, he raised her, taking care of the orphans is, is part of caregiving, um, can be part of caregiving. And not only did he raise her and love her and affirm her and encourage her, then even after she went to the palace and was experiencing some really hard conversations and up against, I feel like God's telling me this and I'm supposed to do this, but I'm scared out of my mind, Mordecai was still caregiving for her, back and forth, encouraging, affirming, present, did not um, leave or turn his back. Another example would be um, Ruth. Uh, the story of Ruth, where she makes a covenant and she makes a promise to take care of her mother-in-law. Um, that's another way of caregiving, meeting tangible needs, working in the fields, um, traveling with her, leaving her home, leaving what was familiar and comfortable to be um, with her mother-in-law. Some of the other attributes of being a caregiver, um, caring for other believers. So um, what there's so many different ways that that can look, and I don't want to give too many examples because I want to give um, our panel um, an opportunity to share their stories. But there's also caring for the orphans and the widows. That's another um, way that being a caregiver, where you experience the presence of God and his joy in caring for orphans and widows. Um, caring for prisoners. Uh, Salem Alliance has an amazing ministry that we get to partner with women coming out of incarceration and love on them and encourage them and um, come alongside them. If that's something that interests you at all, please email uh, jroth at salemalliance.org and she can put you in touch um, with somebody if that's something that kind of stirs up your heart this morning. Caring for the poor is another way that caregiving can manifest itself. And it can be something as easy um, as smiling and waving at the person on the corner with the sign. Um, when I was at Simpson, uh, a school down in Redding, California, where I met my hunk of burning love, um, in his dad's class, by the way, like we were in preaching one together and his dad was our professor. That was weird. Like family dinner and I'm like, can you pass the salt, please, Dr. Brown? <laughs> yep. Um, but anyways, when I was in Reading, there was a friend of mine who, um, her and her mom were homeless for about four years. And she told me the hardest thing for her was when people ignored them. Because it's too painful to look. So I just committed to myself, I will wave and I will acknowledge no matter. I'm not here to judge and say, oh, you're probably a faker pant and just going to go back to your Lexus and put all your dollars in and whatever. I saw some undercover story about that one time, like on Dateline or something, and I was like outraged because I'm like, that's not true for everyone. 
God. Talk about injustice. Anyways, um, so for my kids, they always wave. Like, that's just what it is. Like, we don't always give food or, my, you know, but we'll at least wave and acknowledge. Um, so take, taking note of the poor and, and loving them and serving them is another way that um, a caregiver can manifest hospitality Maybe you have maybe you have that gift. Maybe um, maybe you don't, but you know people who do. There are some places um, where I love walking into their home because I feel so welcomed and I feel loved and I feel attended to. Um, and practicing hospitality is another another way of caregiving. Um, when I was doing all the packing with the twins. Um, I wasn't really able to do laundry, because think about it, if you got a kid attached here and a kid here, I called it the Oreo, because I had chocolate, double stuff, vanilla, and then chocolate. <laughs> but when you have, when you have your, I call them my little chocolate kisses, but when the chocolate kisses were attached to me, there wasn't really much that I could do. So um, one of my friends, who was actually in my Hearts at Home group, I won't call her name out, because she would be super embarrassed and probably stop talking to me. But she shows up at my house with a like Home Depot bucket full of cleaning supplies. And said, I'm here to clean your bathrooms. Just showed up. I'm here to clean your bathrooms. Maybe she texted me first. I can't remember. The very foggy season of my life. <laughs> that's caregiving. That's, that's seeing a need and showing up and meeting it. Um, another dear friend um, and this one I will call out because she's going to be on the panel. Um, laundry. She would come on Monday morning, get the laundry, and then bring it back. And then maybe later in the week she'd come to drop something off and the laundry would still be in the laundry basket. <laughs> so then she started putting it away because she's like, uh, I know it's not going to make it to the drawer, so I'll put it away for you. <laughs> That's caregiving. Being an extension of who he is. Um, you'll notice on your tables that there are some mugs with tea and honey, and there's some flowers and some chocolates. Don't take the books, please. Um, but when all this is over, um, we want to give you an opportunity to take those things and tangibly give them to somebody else. So you, you take it, drop it off. You're loved. I see you. I'm not afraid of the yuck. You're not alone. Um, we'll have some time to write on note cards later. But those, those kinds of things, that tangible need that you can go and meet. And when you feel his glory and presence and joy as you're doing that, that's having the God language of, of caregiving. So um, I would just say one last um, thing before I bring my, my panel up. I'm going to check time really quick. Oh, yeah, we're rocking it today. Yes. Um, I got four more minutes. Story time. Um, so I have a friend who's a nurse, and she and I were talking about this, and she said, for me, she does home visit kind of stuff, and typically it's like checking vitals and maybe changing a wound or something like that. And she said, for me, caregiving is so much a part of who I am that when I go, if I'm just supposed to take vitals and then leave, but they need to be bathed, I bathe them. 
I'm not paid for that. That's not part of my job description. That's not part of anything. But, like, she doesn't have another option. Like, she's compelled to do it. Um, there's no, there's no, there's just no other way. Like, that's all. I have another dear friend who was um, a hospice nurse for a while. And listening to her share stories of being present with people in those times, um, even walking her husband through losing his mom and, and being present with her. I think they were engaged at the time, not married yet. But being present with her and walking through that, she felt God's presence in that. That's caregiving. And whether you're giving or receiving, that would be my challenge. Because for me personally, it's a lot easier to give. I would way rather be the one showing up at your house to clean your toilets. Maybe not. I don't actually like cleaning toilets at all. I don't like doing it on any level. Jeff does it at our house. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Because I hate it. Um, But all that to say, receiving it's hard, and I want to acknowledge that, especially if you are someone who gives and you are someone who loves and experiences joy in doing those things for other people. We all have different seasons of life, and I would encourage you with everything in me to, to receive. Because that person who's offering and that person who's reaching out, they're listening to God too. And they're being obedient to what he's asking them to do. And don't rob them of that joy of listening to the Lord and being able to meet a tangible need for someone that they love and that they care about. So receiving is hard. And I just want to make sure as, we, as we're talking about caregiving that we acknowledge that, that part of it as well. Um, now I'm going to stop talking and invite my panel friends up here, please, Kathy and Lori. And I am going to let them introduce themselves and share a little bit about their current season of life. And both of these ladies, for the record, when I, I'm pretty sure they both said no when I asked the first time. Because caregivers don't really enjoy this kind of thing. But then the Holy Spirit worked on them, so they're here. I didn't have to twist any arms. They're not paid. This is labor of love. I'm Kathy Bletcher. Um, my husband, Mark, and I have been married 33 years. We have two grown boys, 30 and 27. They're both married, and I have my first grandson, which is very exciting. And um, I work here at Salem Alliance Church. Sorry, I talk more. Um, I'm Lori Stott. I've been married to my husband also for 33-plus years. We've been coming to the church for over 25 years. Um, I have six children, three are biological and three are adopted, ranging in age from 18 to 32. And I have six grandchildren and one on the way next month. I have been the recipient of both of their caregiving skills, so just want to confess that right now. Kathy is the one who would show up with the laundry and then put it away because I wouldn't even be able to put it away. Um, Lori has showed up um, at my house just with a meal, like, and just showed up. Here's food. Um, So I would love for each of you to share a little bit about how 
what caregiving looks like in, um, in your life right now? Just right now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Kathy, Kathy was, sorry, I take the mic back from you. I love you. Um, <laughs> um, Kathy was on leadership with Hearts at Home and did Hearts at Home with her boys when they were small. So if you want to share maybe a little bit of now what it looked like and then also then too, I think that would be awesome. Um, caregiving comes in many ways, as Kara's already said. You know, you've got the practical of taking a meal or doing laundry or um, taking care of kids. And uh, one of the things when I was younger, um, caregiving, when you don't have a lot of money but you, you need to care give, <laughs> um, it's just um, taking kids for somebody. And I, we started this little play group of three or four moms, and we would take turns um, you know, one week I would have them for three hours and it would just give the other moms three hours alone. And then we would just do it for each other. And um, so that's just a very practical way. Uh, we didn't have cell phones back when my kids were younger. So, you know, texting now, um, just texting each other um, a verse. I'm thinking of this verse for you today. I'm praying for you today. Um, you came to mind today. Um, just as small as that. that. That's just a very practical way that... Um, when you're in the season of young kids at home when you don't have time or money or whatever. It's just a very practical way to do that. Um, in this season, as I've been working at church, I was thinking about this, and one of the biggest things that came to mind was when um, John Stumbo was ill. I was his assistant, and um, I was able to just the church was very gracious and said, you just take care of their family. So I did that. I would go up to the hospital when he was um, up in intensive care, and about every other day I would go up, just take care of whatever they needed, take care of his wife, take care of their bills, take care of cleaning their house, um, whatever they needed. Um, and, it, and that was a season because my children were grown, they were out of the house, and I was able to do that. Um, other ways are just, you know, with Kara, being able to come alongside Kara and her family. And, um, and I'm not sharing her, so <laughs> don't try to snatch her up after this. <laughs> no. Um, it's, just, it's just giving yourself. Um, when you see a need, when, when you see that somebody is hurting, um, again, just a, an encouraging word. Um, because I'm working, I don't have a lot of time to cook meals, and I'm always thinking they need a meal. So if you're able, give them, you know, um, give them a gift card to a restaurant, give them, take pizza. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be a meal. Just take them brownies or, you know, something that you can do that um, just, it just says, I love you, I care about you, I'm thinking of you. Um, just, again, it's just practical. I just think practical. What do they need? You want my yuck? Um, I'm currently in a season of caregiving unlike any I have been in before. Um, while Kathy and I have both been married the same number of years, she probably has a wonderful, quiet, empty nest with her husband where they can have discussions. Um, currently, I don't. Um, there are eight of us living in my home right now. Um, my oldest daughter is living with us with her three children, and they are ages 3, 7, and 13. So um, while I'm not the parent, I'm going through a lot of the same things a lot of you in this room are, the three-year-old tantrums, etc. Um, my 20-year-old uh, daughter is unmarried and pregnant and due on March 3rd. So I'm going through pregnancy hormones with her and childbirth classes. 
Um, and <clears throat> she's from Africa. Her birth mother is here visiting. Uh, she wanted her mother to come visit, so um, she arrived with a lot of medical issues, so I'm caregiving in a medical way, which I didn't anticipate. Um, her mom arrived with out-of-control diabetes and um, bad cataracts, so she's legally blind. The good news is this afternoon, which is one of the reasons I hesitated when Kara asked me to do this, um, she's going to have her first cataract surgery. So that's really exciting. But I am caregiving in a way that um, is kind of the more traditional idea of caregiving right now. A lot of emotional needs, a lot of physical needs, and medical needs. No, I didn't say that for a while. But <laughs> but, but. I was just going to say one more thing that um, also in my season that I'm in, is that I have um, parents are quite a bit older. I've walked through um, three deaths of my parents and my father-in-law, and now we're in the journey with my mother-in-law, who's 91. Um, gratefully, she's able to live in an assisted living, but uh, you become the parent to the parent, and um, it's, a, it's a beautiful season. It can be hard at times, but um, I'm just so grateful that God gives us um, seasons, and he knows what we can do in the season that he gives to us. Um, is there anything else that either of you would want to share about um, caregiving? Um, any encouragements? Any challenges? There's something you said, Lori, yesterday. Jennifer, do you remember exactly about? Um, oh. So um, last night we sometimes because we do this the same the gathering on Wednesday night and Thursday morning. People on the panel can't always be at both. And so um, we had Carly Davis, who is 20, she's 21. Oh, she's 21 now. Yeah, she's 21 now. Oh, my word. Um, she was one of my discipleship group girls. I had a small group, small group of 13 high school girls um, for three and a half years. And we got to meet once a week um, for, the, for that season, and it was wonderful. And she was talking about her mom. Um, who was diagnosed with cancer and in the middle of chemo right now and talking about that it is because caregiving comes very naturally to her and it is one of her God languages and helper is definitely one of her gifts. Um, it comes naturally and it's comfortable, but it's also challenging, very challenging. Um, and that just depends on our season of life too. I feel like season of life plays a lot into how, what caregiving looks like for you. So was there anything else that either of you wanted to share before? We bring up the next group. Okay. Um, I just wanted to give some examples from my own life of caregiving because right now while I'm doing the more traditional definition, a lot of the caregiving in my life has not been maybe along those lines. Um, I told you I have six kids. Three are adopted. Um, I've had nine foster children. In fact, I brought six newborns home from the hospital, and three of them weren't mine, and it was legal. Um, <laughs> two, of, two of them were... Um, infants of inmates in the correctional center here in, in Salem, moms that were pregnant in prison, and we um, took care of their babies till moms got out. Um, I've been a mom to four um, Latino baseball players for the Volcanoes baseball team for a summer. That was caregiving on a really different level. Um, I speak fluent Spanish. It allowed me to speak their language, to help cook some things that were maybe familiar to them to make them feel at home. That was caregiving on a different level. Um, hospitality, Kara knows where my chocolate is. I, need I say more? Um, something I try to do, it's really hard with kids. I used to be so much better, but I try to arrive early to an event like this, and even if I have nothing to do with it, just see if something needs to be done at the last minute. 
if they need water put on the table or whatever. Um, that's caregiving in a different way. Um, Brian Candelo calls me the den mom of the Mexico trip. I started going to Mexico in 1997 with the high school kids. And I went as a translator. Jen and I were on that trip together. And um, my role has kind of evolved. And I'm now the person who um, puts together treat bags for the leaders because they work long, hard days with the high school students. And so I try to find out their favorite treats and, and put them together with little encouraging notes to, um, to give them care while they're serving. Um, I'm sorry, this is a long list, but I, I just I kind of want to give you an idea that caregiving can be a lot broader than, than your maybe traditional definition. Um, I've gotten to go to a couple weddings lately where I intentionally arrived a day early with no agenda and made myself available to the mother of the bride. And that was a huge gift to them. Didn't cost me anything. Um, I have done everything from cook meals to pick up Chick-fil-A for the wedding party to arranging flowers, which is not my gift. But whatever, whatever was helpful, um, and that's giving care. Um, Kara reminded me of one I didn't share last night. I was in InterVarsity um, Christian Fellowship in college, and every other year we have a reunion. And yes, I went to college a very long time ago. But we still meet at our house, and we have 40 to 50 people for four days. And I provide hospitality and cook, and everybody camps out at our place. Um, I love doing that. And um, Kara said something to me last night that really provoked some thought. Um, long time ago, there was a movie called Chariots of Fire. And the main character, Eric Liddell, said, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Um, when I do that, I feel his pleasure. Um, also, I, I feed people. Um, I'm in charge of a dinner for 700 next week. And uh, a, lot of you, a lot of you will be coming to that dinner. And it's very important to me that I give you the best care possible, that the food be the best it can be, the atmosphere be the best it can be, that you don't have to wait forever. Um, that, that makes me feel like I'm serving God. Wow. Good job, Lori. <laughs> um. <laughs> Being an extreme introvert, which is why it's really hard for me up here, um, home is my happy place. I love being home. I love being home alone. And so um, it's, it sometimes stretches you when you know you have a, a gift or a call that you need to do something. But one of the, the ways that um, I feel like I care give is to um, make my home a, a safe place, a peaceful place. And so as people come, I do hope and pray that they feel um, that they can come in and just receive love and that they can kind of get away from whatever's their big burden for the day or whatever. So it doesn't have to, you know, it, all the practical things are great, um, but sometimes just providing a place for somebody to come and to receive respite um, is also a way to care give, and, and I do love to do that. And maybe my husband and I at different times have used their basement, spare bedroom, as that exact thing. Um, I feel like caregiving in, hospital in that hospitality area can literally provide healing. And I would say that that is something that um, Kathy, along with Mark, because he's, he's got some major caregiver helper too, um, when you're in their home, when you're around them, you feel cared for. Um, you feel like you're 
not just your practical, tangible needs, but like those emotional needs um, are met as well. Um, both of these women do that incredibly well. So thank you, um, Kathy, and thank you, Lori, for being vulnerable and real and transparent and um, sharing with us today. I really appreciate it. I know it's not your favorite thing. <laughs> now you guys can go and care give. <laughs> Um, and now we get to, as I talked about a little bit early, earlier, when you're caregiving and the receiving piece. So I have a, a, a couple, a couple, or not a couple, that sounds funny. I have two women that are going to come up here and share about what that looks like in their life and their friendship. Um, you guys probably know Jennifer Roth. Yeah? Okay. Um, and then Marie Howard is also going to come up, and Jennifer is just going to take over because she's awesome and can do that. Same as last night. Marie is a creature of habit. My queen's half of the chair. <laughs> Marie will tell you that every house that she's a regular in, she has a queen's chair. It's where she sits and enjoys herself. So Marie and I have a story that goes way back. But before I dive in, um, I will say that on this couch, there is a caregiver, and I am not it. Um, not my main way of doing life. And so I just wanted to invite Marie to just share kind of how this has played out in your life leading up to our relationship. Okay. And whatever you want to say. I, well, I'll just start by telling you who I am. My name is Marie Howard, and I retired from working at the state after 30 years in 2007, which in this case a bit coincides with our story, how God sort of orchestrates things um, that he knows I need, and in this case, um, some stuff that Jen needed. I'll say I love that Kara's a baller. <laughs> I was going to come and share my Kleenex with you. Kleenex chocolate, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so um, I have been retired now for a good long time and love it, and um, you have to get on my calendar because I'm busier now than I was before, so if you need anything, get me a couple weeks ahead because um, I, I love to be busy, and a lot of what I do is um, giving to my friends, and, and that brings me a lot of joy. Um, we met, just to let you know how we connected in um, women's ministry leadership team back in the day. Um, we met at 6 o'clock in the morning, and you know, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, but uh, So that was our initial get-together kind of pray for each other, you know how you start praying for people uh, when you're in your Bible studies, you know you love them and you pray for them, and at that particular time, um, Jennifer was requesting prayer for her mom, um, I didn't know what all that meant, except that I knew we were praying for hope, and, um, and Jennifer started praying for stuff for her, but at this particular time, this was like pre-Josiah, and he's almost 15, <laughs> so you know, this was like 16 or 17 years ago now, so, yeah. So I forgot to introduce myself, and I know you don't all know me. Um, so I am Jennifer Roth. I'm the pastor of Women's Ministries here, which is a 20-hour-a-week part-time job. And my real day job is that I'm mom to three kids. So my son Josiah is 14. He'll be 15 in March. Uh, Titus is 13, and Abigail is 9. Um, we live out towards Silverton. My husband is a farmer, and... Um, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the juggling act that I do. A lot of basketball and carpooling and gymnastics and karate, and it's that season of life. Um, so 
when Marie and I met, as she mentioned, it was about 2002, we were on a leadership team together and we would share prayer requests and she was hearing more and more about our family. And um, Marie is one of these people who sees needs and just um, takes care of them. And one of the things I want to say is I don't naturally function as a caregiver. And it's not that I see a need and choose not to do it. I don't see the need. Like I'll look back later and I'll go, oh, duh. But I just, in the moment, I don't notice it. And Marie is one of these people that sees it and, and does something about it. And so um, when Abigail was born in 2006, we'd been in leadership Bible study together by then for about four years. And um, I began sharing prayer requests because Abigail was born with a lot of different health issues. Um, the first thing was that we were, she was premature. Well, even before that, her ultrasounds had shown that she had some abnormalities with her kidneys and her umbilical cord, and they had told us to anticipate some other birth defects, but we didn't know what. So I'd shared this with my group, and then she was born early um, by an emergency C-section because my placenta abrupted, and it was one of those things that 50 years ago, both she and I would have died, um, but by God's grace, it wasn't 50 years ago, and came through that rather smoothly. But when we got into the early months of her life, she was a failure to thrive baby, and we didn't know why. So we began a journey of going up to Portland to see specialists, and, and what was discovered was that um, she had a hole in her heart, and at seven months, she had open heart surgery, and at 14 months, she had another surgery, and at two years, she had her spine, um, her, tether, her tethered cord untethered. So when the spinal cord is attached too tightly to the tailbone, it's called the tethered cord. So she just had several surgeries. And during that season, there were times when she and I would be driving up to Portland twice a week. And during all of this, I'm sharing prayer requests with my group. And when Abigail was six weeks old, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. So she's doing her chemo treatments and her radiation treatments. And she's the one who would want to be serving my family and blessing us. And she can't. And so here's Marie who just oozes helps and service. She just loves to help people. And she would say, um, can I come over and help? And I'm terrible at receiving. And I said, no, no, I'm fine. So um, she's getting closer to retirement. And she says, I have Friday off. Can I come over and help? No, no, I'm fine. And about the third time she says to me one morning, she says, I have Friday off. I will be at your house at 9 a.m. And I said, okay. And um, thus began a relationship where Marie came to my house once a week for about five years until Abigail was in kindergarten. And that, um, in the beginning, uh, was my dishes and my laundry and the diapers and holding the baby so that I could have a shower. She just said, I'll do whatever. I'm coming on Fridays and I'll do whatever. And what that grew into as Abby grew was a, an Abby date day. So both my boys were in school by then and Marie would come and take Abby for the day and they would go and do whatever they did. So she's the one who got Abby started in gymnastics and she helped Abby do a year of dance because there was no way I was running around to all that stuff. Uh, Abby is way blessed because of uh, Miss Marie. We have we have an Aunt Marie and my grandpa who is like 94's girlfriend is a Marie and so Marie is Miss Marie. Um, so yeah and one of the things I began learning was that when I received I was also giving something. Would you talk about what that looks like from a caregiver's perspective to have somebody receive what you want to give? Uh, well, it's a big deal if you receive. <laughs> if you don't receive, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I have the gift of helps. So for those of you that are old enough to know about spiritual gifts, I've known that I have the gift of helps forever. And I use it, I would say, frequently. Um, I don't like to cook. I'm a good cook, but I don't like to do it. I hate cleaning house, and I pay somebody to come and clean my house. 
Um, but I don't mind, and I know how to do it, but if I don't have somebody to do it for, I'm not blessed by it. Now, my, the big blessing for me is I've got a lifelong friend, and not only in Jennifer, but in Abigail. It's Abigail now, by the way. Uh, we're not Abby anymore, Mom. That's I'm true. just pointing that out to you. Thank you. <coughs> Duly noted. It's, I'm working on it. <laughs> she's forgiving, but she has uh, morphed from Abby to Abigail, and so she allows us to call her Abby, even though Abigail is her name um, now. So, um, I, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is God has provided for me. I'm single, um, never been married, don't have kids, but through my life, via this gift that he has given me, has provided children in my life. They're now 40. Um, and throughout each journey, I remain connected to these families and their children and have babies that I can hold. I, I was sitting back here by Blevy looking and saying, I'll hold him. <laughs> if you need a minute, I'll hold him for you. you know. So um, I think the biggest thing I can say is, um, because now, last night we had us boomers here, right? We didn't have moms with kids so much, is if someone comes to you and says, can I do your laundry for you? I mean, I still, if it's piled on the, it's on the couch now with bins in front of it. I think it's a help to the kids because I think the kids have to do it now. And if I f at least fold it and get it roughly into the right bins, they're blessed by the fact that they don't have to come home from school and do it. But I feel no obligation to do that. Um, it's just a part of who I am when I go to Jen's house. If there's laundry in the washing machine and some sitting there, a lot of times I'll just throw it in the, you know. But Hope, Hope's here somewhere. Hope and I have an agreement. If we're doing something together, she cleans and I cook. Because uh, she preferred, we, we learned that the last go around. I'm like, oh, clean, cook. And Hope says, I'll cook. That's her mom. And she says, I'll clean. And I said, no problem, I'll do the cooking. Uh, so if you don't receive, we can't give and be blessed by it. And that truly is where my heart goes, is to be blessed by you receiving what I have to give. So when we were about six months into this, we were in my kitchen, and she looks at me and she says, I do hope that you know that once you have me, you have me forever. And I said, I didn't know that, but I'm very grateful. And that's one of the things that I didn't realize when I was, it's humbling to say, I can't take care of what my family needs. And in order to receive help, I have to admit that. And yet I didn't realize that I had something to give. See, I don't like doing laundry or dishes and I wouldn't go to your house and do your laundry and dishes. Um, and so I won't ask somebody else to come to my house and help me with that kind of thing because I wouldn't want to ask you to do something that I wouldn't like because I'm assuming you wouldn't like the same things, right? And so I don't ask for help. And so one of the things that has really helped Maria and I is early on we established that she would say no if it's something that she either couldn't do or didn't want to do. And when, we, when I asked her a couple times and she said no to certain things, I began to trust that and that gave me the freedom to ask because I knew I was feeling like I'm imposing by asking her to do something that I would rather not do. But when she's honest with me and gives me a no, then I can just ask and, and we've, we've agreed that there's no offense. I'm not offending her by what I ask for help with and she's not offending me by what she says no to. We can just ask and receive and if it works, great. And if it doesn't, that's fine. Then I go on to the next option for what we need. So in more recent days, I think Marie had a deep season of grief when Abigail and Sarah, who was her little buddy, another one of families that Marie really blesses, uh, both got into first grade at the same time. So they were both in this all-day school and she lost her date days 
And um, so what it has become now is just certain project-oriented things. So my son had his 13th birthday when my ankle was supposed to be above my heart because I just had surgery. And so my mom and Marie came and tag-teamed for the day. I'm sure they both collapsed into bed that night. Um, and hosted a party for about 60 people for my son's 13th birthday because we invite like all the family and um, we do a big deal for the 13th. And um, Abigail really wanted to be doing gymnastics, but I couldn't drive for about six weeks. And so I said, Marie, can I sign up Abigail for gymnastics and can you be the Tuesday car driver? And so it's just certain things where um, we make these connections and she'll do it as long as I get on her calendar uh, long enough ahead of time. Um, I do have a real shoe on today. I knew Marie would be the first one to notice that. I thought, I thought we'd walk up here and she'd go, what, no boot? Uh, I had surgery a long time ago and today is eight weeks and that was the doctor's magic number for putting a, a real shoe on. So I'm pretty thrilled to be moving in the right direction. There's one other thing I wanted to tell you about this whole thing. Give me just a second. One of the things that happened in the early days was that Marie just came to know my home. And so she got a key. I, it was like two weeks in when I realized she needs a key to my house. And I was taken, um, when Abigail and I were going to Portland two times a week, Titus was four and Josiah was six. So we had preschool and first grade and Portland two times a week. And Marie would just come and let herself into my house, collect all the dirty laundry, whether it had made it to a hamper or was laying around on the floor. And the next day I'd come home and there were my clean hampers on my front porch of my laundry cleaned up and done. Um, I remember about the third time she came, I was on the phone when she got there. And by the time I got off the phone, she said, okay, I've moved, I folded your dry laundry and I moved the wet laundry to the dry laundry. And I started a new load and I emptied the clean dishes and I loaded all the dirty dishes from the sink and restarted the dishwasher. What else do we need? And I'm like, it's 9.30 and you've accomplished more than I could do in the last four days. Um, and what was happening in my season of life was I was at that time volunteering as the co-leader of Hearts at Home. I was actually in a pretty um, high-capacity labor-intensive vol labor volunteer role. And the only reason I could continue functioning in my gifting and my calling is because Marie dove in and functioned in her gifting and her calling. And so while it was hard for me to accept that I couldn't run my household, because Marie was willing to run my household, I could go and speak at a women's retreat or um, disciple some women or be a part of what I was doing here at Salem Alliance. And so part of the big picture back away from us and take a look at this is, that's how God created the body of Christ. That when we are functioning the way that he created us to function, we can make a way for someone else to function the way they were created. And there doesn't need to be any embarrassment or shame in the fact that one person can't do it all. Um, it's not how we're wired, but our gifting allows somebody else. So the way that people care gave for Kara when they were adopting the twins enabled them to adopt twins. I haven't adopted twins, but I've loved Kara through her journey, so I'm a part of her ability to follow God and what she was called to do. And, and that's kind of this bigger picture of what caregiving looks like. Anything else you wanted to say? No, I would just say do it. <laughs> Either side. If you're called to it, do it. You know, if God says, hey, you know what? They really need their laundry done. Go do it. And I would say to you, let me do your laundry. <laughs> Yeah. Say yes. I still say no. Um, I had surgery and people said, can I bring you a meal? Oh no, we're fine. Jennifer, just say yes. People are offering because they love to do it. So just say yes.